2: progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law good evening everybody
1: welcome to the show hope you're getting through the week focusing on your mental health remember mental health should be your top priority Want everyone asking those that they care about, hey, how's your mental health? Remember, we're we're reminding everyone that we are a safe resource for that. We're reminding people to consider and think about that. Um, I always offer this to everyone as well. Whenever I'm offered to do anything, my first question is always, how will this impact my mental health? Is this good for my mental health? Is this something that will bring me joy and happiness? Is this something that will stress me out and add more, you know, burnout? So mental health perspective, mental health perspective, mental health perspective. And again, that's not going to be about work. That's going to be about the opposite. We're focusing on creating more pleasure and joy in our lives, and we're trying to do more rest, and we're also trying to focus more of our time on leisure. We are obsessed with talking about balance, 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 balance. We don't have balance. I don't know anyone who has as much downtime as the same amount of time they put into labor activities. I don't know, you know, again, so much time of our and our energy is put into labor, but we do not put the same percentage into joy and pleasure. We don't live a balanced life. It's a very imbalanced life. And I want us to be imbalanced, imbalanced though, in favor of more rest, joy, pleasure, and leisure. Our life should be centered in that. So try to move as close to that as possible. I know that everyone doesn't have that access or that ability or that privilege, but we can still build in moments throughout our day of joy, pleasure, and rest. Steal that time, force that time, prioritize that time. That is what should be the center point of our lives and everything else should fit in around that. So we're working on building that world. Um, We're gonna talk to on tonight's show though about infidelity and uh, how to decide whether or not this is something you should stay in, how to work through it. We on the show have talked about um, reasons why people cheat. We've talked on the show about ways to rebuild trust. So you'll see sprinkles of that in tonight's show. But I think it's a really important thing to think about and to consider. And a lot of people are up against it. Uh, Statistically speaking, you're more likely to get cheated on than than to not be cheated on. And statistically, your relationship is more likely to end than it is to sustain itself. And a lot of that is rooted in the kind of partners we are and the, and the ways that we perceive um, healthy relationships, what we think healthy relational factors are, People in our culture don't understand how to be good partners. We don't understand how to build relationships. I see them in my office in couples therapy. A lot of people think somehow that the work is about who's right and who's wrong and recounting all the aspects of an event. No, the work is on how do we reconnect and heal. That's always the work. How do we reconnect? How do we stay connected? How do we manage these issues better? We're not trying to get rid of the issues necessarily. And we're not, and I, I always say to my clients, I don't care who's right or wrong. I'm not, I'm not a private investigator. I'm not a police officer. I'm not interested in the literal truth. I'm, in, I'm interested in watching how you two or you three, however many people are in this relationship, how they manage the relationship, how they manage themselves, what kind of partner they are, how they deal with repair and disappointment. So you can all apply that uh, and that's and again, a lot of our relationships are run very toxically. A lot of things that people think are acceptable or normal are actually toxic forms of monogamy or relationality. Monogamy and relationality inherently are not unhealthy. It's the way we run them that often are. I'll have to do a little bit more um, on what toxic monogamy is. I haven't talked about that in a very long time and I think it's something definitely worth circling back to. So I'm gonna make a note to uh, do a segment on that sometime soon, um, <clears throat> but in the meantime, Remembering, remembering, as I say all the time, we need to take our role in other people's lives more seriously, especially when it's in a primary role as their best friend, as their family member, um, as their primary romantic or sexual partner, and how you impact that person's life as a result of being brought in is paramount. Healthy people are always assessing themselves on that level. I know I do that with everyone I'm in relationship to. I don't want someone's life to be made harder because I'm in their life in whatever capacity. And I wear a lot of hats. I'm part of running a mental health training program. I'm part of media projects, uh, streaming, radio, television, literary, and I also have a clinical private practice. And even when I'm just encountering a um, journalist who wants some quotes for an article or story they're writing, I try to have my presence in their life, life be positive and meaningful. Their lives like mine is hard enough and complicated enough. I try to not make it any harder. And that's why people that move through the world being very difficult and being a pain in the butt, shame on you. Life is harder. Things are difficult enough, especially when you apply that to people in lower positions of power, like the barista, you know, like the service worker, shame on you. Those should be the people that you give the most care to because how we treat those that have less power than us really shows our mental health and our ethics and our value system. And a lot of us have a lot of work to do in that. But my God, if no one else definitely apply that to the people that you have primary relationships with. Again, apply that to everyone. Um, I don't believe in a power hierarchies. I don't care if you're someone's boss or someone's parent or someone's teacher. You have a responsibility to treat those below you with respect and care and to have a positive impact on them and vice versa. We have to take that more seriously. That is a mental health perspective and I will always prioritize that. Um, I just had, well, we don't really need to get off topic. I was going to get off on a tangent, but mental health should always be the first question we ask. How are we impacting their mental health? How is this impacting our mental health? And that's where the decision should be made. And that's what tonight's topic is. Should I stay or should I go after an infidelity has occurred? Really does depend on the kind of mental health impact this partner relationship has had on me in the past and the kind of impact they might have on me moving forward. And that's the guiding principle. You know, it's the rubric through which I make this decision. So uh, we'll be talking about that. DMs, as always, are open. Those are on our Loveline at GPH. Questions, topics, things you want us to hit, circle back to, drop all that good stuff. Stuff in uh, the DMs and past episodes of the show always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Love Line, click on it. You can binge, post, re listen, and share. More to come, so don't go anywhere. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Curse on Channel Q and Odyssey.
2: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com recommend today.
1: Oh, Rachel, we are back and we're talking about infidelity, which for a lot of people is probably the most scary, traumatic thing that can occur, will occur, has occurred, could occur. And it puts a lot of anxiety in us. And I want to start at the very beginning. Please, if you are in or wanting a monogamous relationship with someone, make sure as adults you have sat down and talked about what that word means to you, what the expectations for you are within that, what you deem to be falling in line with that or stepping outside of that. And you both have to agree. No one's definition or no one's needs around monogamy and relational safety are more important or more valid than anyone else's. Some people might have a looser definition that is just as appropriate, healthy and legitimate as maybe your more tight and intense and rigid definition. In adult relationships, we look for mutually beneficial outcomes. You both have to agree and you both have to consent to that. Otherwise, if you haven't talked about monogamy, in theory, everyone's doing it based on what makes sense to them and then no one can be wrong. This is a commitment we make in service of wanting more safety and closeness. Monogamy is not right for every couple, especially if you have different sex drives and different different sexual interests. That is a topic for another show. I've talked about it. We'll talk about it again. But in theory, monogamy is a beautiful thing for those people that want it, that find the value in it, that also have a very compatible sexuality. Otherwise, you're you're setting yourself up for some misery because your partner's limits will become your limits, how interested they are, what they're willing to do. And I will never agree that it's okay to ask for monogamy and then say, and I won't also be available for sex, thereby forcing them into celibacy. That's a form of sexual and emotional abuse. You don't get to take someone's sexuality away from them. And in adult relationships, no one has power over the other. It's Both are empowered and both have a right to make changes and to have their needs met. So you have to sit down as adults and say, huh, monogamy was proposed. I want it, or you said you wanted it, or maybe let's talk about if we want it at all. We know it's an expectation from the world. That doesn't mean it's right for us. It's really about love, care, and trust, and that can exist with or without monogamy. But for those that want that, you need to talk about what that means to you, why you want it. And yes, talk about the benefits and the deficits of it. So you're both on the same page. Most people do not ever talk about this. They are scared to, but we need to have us both on the same page or however many people are in this relationship and you need to hammer out what you are agreeing to. And it's sometimes not a one-off conversation. Maybe you disagree about some elements and then you need to take some time to repeatedly come back and talk it out. And remember, as always, within any relationship, what matters more than the topic And what matters more than just getting to a solution, what matters most is how you go about that discussion, how you go about dealing with the differences and disagreements, how you go about finding resolution. That shows your compatibility and your mental health more than whether or not you land on a solid definition for both of you. In those moments, far too many people get get confused thinking that the issue is the content and hammering out the details. That does not mean as much as the relationship. So when I'm working with couples, it's as though I'm pausing them and I'm watching what they're doing. And that's what I'm going off of. Hey. Tina, I might say, in this made-up example, I see that you're getting a little dysregulated and aggressive. Let's stop and regulate for a second because, again, the priority is your regulation and how you're impacting your partner. Your partner looks very thrown off and unsafe right now based on your responses as you're talking about monogamy. Let's pay attention to your partner's face, and that will help you dictate whether or not you need to self-soothe and and regulate a little bit or if you're in the right place because your relational health and your connection means more to me right now than just making sure we figure out what monogamy means means and whether or not we're going to do it. You have to be monitoring your partner in these difficult moments and their, their safety, how they're feeling in the middle of this discussion is what you should be using to decide what your next move is, your tone of voice, your word choice. And if they're feeling unsafe or upset or attacked, you need to know that you need to calm down and back off a little bit. So again, the relational process matters more than the topic. The process matters more than the content, but we usually focus on the content who's right, who's wrong. What's where, you know, Let that go, that's child, that's childlike behavior. As adults, we prioritize the relationship and our partner's safety. And if you're not ready to do that, well, you need some couples therapy, individual therapy, because you're really not ready or thinking right in terms of partnership. So anyway, that's for another time, but I wanna remind people that. How we approach this topic matters just as much as the fact that we approach it. And I think that gets some people kind of thrown off. Um, because what really this really what this discussion is really about whether or not someone's going to stick around with someone when they found out about um, you know some infidelity if in fact they were monogamous and if and if in fact this kind of broke that contract, um, is you have to decide between two options. Am I going to release this relationship and move on without it? or am I gonna stay and we're gonna renew it? And that's a question for both partners. Even the partner that created and had the infidelity gets to decide whether or not this is something they wanna be a part of. Everyone's feelings and needs matter. I'll never agree that, well, you harmed your partner by cheating, so your thoughts and opinions and feelings don't matter. Yes, they do, and they will continue to, and we will hold both. Even the partner that feels harmed and victimized by the cheating, their feelings aren't any more or less valid. It's about holding both, and you both have to work on staying connected as we're figuring out if we're staying or we're going. It all counts. Just because you might harm someone or let them down doesn't mean your needs and feelings no longer matter or are valid. Everyone's mental health matters. I'll never agree that there's situations in which one person's mental health is no longer of worth, valid, or legitimacy. That's sociopathic, that's problematic as heck. So we're not gonna go that route. Um, And I'm on everyone's side. I'm on the side of the relationship. But that's really a difficult decision and we'll talk more about that in the show, but that's the decision. Am I staying and renewing or am I leaving and releasing? and trying to figure out, for some people it's a really solid response, I don't believe that cheating or infidelity should be the end of a relationship. We stay and we learn from that and we grow because couples do better when they work through that. They learn about themselves and they learn about the relationship because there's work for us all to do. All parties in that relational system have work to do. It's not victim blaming, it's the fact that any participant in any system has an influence on it and we wanna look at that and acknowledge that and, and work that to our benefit. Um, so this is gonna be a little bit of a triggering topic for some, a little bit difficult for some people to hear what their work is because, you know, I understand that we're on the receiving end of some oppression or violence. It's hard for us to realize there might be something needed from us or some transform, you know, transformation that's required, but there it is. It is. And they'll be doing some DMs. So, uh, as always, if you got a DM, drop in the DMs on our love line, IG page, stick around though. we got a lot more to come. You're listening to love line with Dr. Chris on channel Q and odyssey. We'll be right back. Oh, Rachel, we are back. And tonight we're talking about infidelity. But more importantly, we're talking about how to decide whether or not you're going to stay. Because after an infidelity, you have to ask yourself, am I going to stay and renew this relationship and learn about me, learn about my partner, learn about ourselves, learn about our relationship and and do better? Or are we going to release it and move on? Both, both processes or both directions require work on everyone's part. Whether you were the cheater or the person cheated on, there's work for you in either in either position. We have to learn about your role in this system as a relational being um, while dealing with the hurt, because both parties sometimes feel hurt. Please know that just because someone made that really toxic, <laughs> very problematic decision to cheat, that doesn't mean that there wasn't something driving that that is necessary to be looked at and to be understood. Um, there are, you know, very narcissistic and sociopathic people in the world, but for the majority of us we will make bad decisions at times. Um, I'm not normalizing anything. I'm just providing clarification that we have to expect people in our lives to let us down and disappoint us throughout the duration of our relationships. And what matters most isn't whether or not they've disappointed us, hurt us, or let us down. It's, do they take accountability and apologize and do the necessary work for us to realize they're safe enough to stay in our life? That's really the main global question. Because when someone says, well, how do I trust this person ever again? I say to them, well, if your trust is dependent upon never being let down or disappointed or wounded, then you can't because people will continue to do that. We're humans, we make mistakes, but how they deal with it, right? How they clean it up, how they repair, that is what you have to look to because people will always let you down and disappoint you. It's kind of like I say in relationships, there will always be disappointing, frustrating things. So we can't be going for perfect, but is the disappointing, frustrating things that, that are, you know, in place as a result of you trying to be with this person, are those reasonable things that you can accept? And if not, Move on, but there will always be things. We can't be going for perfect. Your partner will let you down. Your partner will disappoint you. Your partner will lie to you. Your partner will deceive you on a spectrum of small to large. Yes, we wanna be with someone who doesn't do the large, more toxic, dramatic things, but it will happen in smaller ways. We have to allow for that. It's how we manage it that matters most. So let's start with what I think are the really important prompts to go through for those that are unsure how to tackle this. And I wanna say this again, the person who created the infidelity or who cheated, how they're showing up to this is going to be a huge determinant and have a lot of influence on the person who's deciding whether or not this is something they still wanna be a part of. So I wanna kind of call that out. How you handle this does count and does matter. But how both parties handle it does count and does matter. So the first question is gonna be about just general trust. Um, in general, how safe do you feel with this person? And that could be a very hard question to have to answer after you know finding out that this person maybe broke a commitment that they made to you, which was around sexual sexual exclusivity. Um, in general, do I trust them? Uh, and you might say, well, it's hard because I just had something you know rooted in mistrust occur. But I would say to them, prior to that, if I'd asked you that question, what might you have told me? And I know it's hard to go back and think in those terms. But if you say I do trust them, I know that they look out for my well being. Because although an infidelity is emotionally and psychologically painful, that doesn't mean they don't care about your well being. And I know that there's a little more nuance to that because we have to talk about STDs and SDIs and what someone might have been brought into contact with as a result. But leaving that outside for a minute, We have to talk about general trust. And if you say, you know what? I never really trusted them. Then my second question becomes, and is that because they were never worthy of trust and they showed signs of not being able to be trusted because they didn't take accountability and they didn't apologize? Or is it that you were never able to trust, but yet they were worthy? Because that's always the caveat. Sometimes it's our work, sometimes it's about them. And if the person says to me, you know what, they were never really worthy of trust, then I would say, let's just release this relationship because that's someone you never should have been with. We don't want to be in relationships with people we don't feel like we can trust. We don't we have to believe that they're gonna look out for our well-being when they're out in the world. This is a very difficult one at that moment to even bring that term in, but that matters. But there's other things to consider, thankfully. It's not just dependent on that. But again, you have to do some really deep soul searching because your answer to that question is big. That's a very big question and the answer really matters. Then we go to the softer questions. How much compatibility do you have with them? How much do you value them in your time with them? And a lot of people would say, again, green or red. The red would be more of them saying, you know what, we really don't have a lot in common. Um, We never really uh, enjoyed what we would do together. And then I'd say to them, so I wonder if again, this is now an opportunity to renew that and to say, let's be better about finding things we both value and enjoy. Let's both get better about participating and respecting each other's interests that might be different, but we can still be a part of that. Um, Or, Or that becomes a true roadblock and this is just, again, another time to say maybe this isn't the right thing for me because it's not about having common interests, although that's great. It's about just having willingness and respect for them, your willingness to let your partner participate fully in it. Sometimes you participate, you celebrate it, you're happy that they're happy, and that's ideally what we're looking for. Um, so that'd be the first question, like what, what is the quality of the life you had with them prior to this? Yes, we're going to work on making it better, but you have a general benchmark as to what it's like when you're with them as a partner and there's a partner with you. Is that something you want more of? And for some people, it's a very easy, no, this was never great. And this is just a final breaking point. Whereas others will maybe say, yes, there's a lot there. We, we have a lot in common. We like to do a lot of things in the world and there's a lot worth saving. Um, so sit with that. We're going to come back, do some DMs, and then we'll get back to talking about infidelity. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, we are back and now it's time to slide into those DMs.
0: Sliding into the DMs.
1: DMs come from our Loveline IG page in the DMs, questions, topics, things you want us to circle back to, drop deeper in. Let's go. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I just found out. My boyfriend of six years is cheating on me. When I found out, I understood because I feel like I'm not doing enough for our relationship. I always, I'm always working. And at first I thought he could handle it. But when he told me I was upset, but I said, I understood. And that I said, I understood. And that's when he got really mad. And he said, I needed to show more compassion. Am I wrong here? No, I think you are taking a higher level perspective on this. Um, I think it's really great when anyone part of any system, especially a relational system, is able to look at whatever they might have contributed to that system, and whatever then came out of that system, even if we were victimized by some element, we are participants. I will always work with every client, even if they were cheated on, at some point in looking at what might they have done that was part of creating a system where that occurred. There there isn't always an answer, often there is. That doesn't mean that they were responsible, it means that they are learning more about how to build the kind of relationship that doesn't lead to something like that, or maybe they were part of creating and causing that. Um, Sometimes, yes, we are part of creating a system that harms us, this is the reality. (laughs) And mental health is about looking at who we are, what we're doing, how we're moving through the world, and of course learning how to set boundaries and protect ourselves from others, but it's also about learning what we're doing. I can't help someone if we're always focusing on the other person, so what you're doing is beautiful, it's higher level. I think when we're part of a relationship, we should always be asking ourselves, what kind of partner am I being? I think I, I, I've i said this on the show many times. I want every partner, all, all relationships, every couple months, at least once a year to say, hey, how's this been going? What do we need to do differently for each other? What kind of partner have I been? Should we continue on with this relationship? We don't just make that assumption. We are in relationships because they have a positive impact on our lives. We don't have to be in them. Relationships take a little bit of work, but not a lot of work. It shouldn't take so much, so much, and they should not make our lives harder. And if they are, something needs to change or we need to exit. They should not just be something we sign up for and we are victimized and we stick around because we made that commitment no matter what. No, commitments need to be changed and renegotiated. I want people to walk away from anything they've committed to if it's no longer in their best interest. A job, a family, a friend. (laughs) Yes, that's mental health. Slavery is illegal. We can't sign our lives away to something. So I don't understand why your partner's saying they want more compassion. Maybe... In your accountability there's no emotional functioning within that I, I don't know but all i really want to focus is on, all i want to focus on is you deciding whether or not you want to renew that relationship or release it are you able to do the work that's required but more importantly is your partner taking accountability is your partner willing to do what needs to be done to remove those to close the windows on those exits to focus more on what they were trying to get from that other partner to get more from you because remember Often what it is that we think is lacking is something we also have the ability to bring back in. If your partner who cheated on you thought that your relationship needed more time together and more passion, well, then they should have initiated, created, created that and asked for it. No one's victimized by the lack of something. Create what you want. I say that to everyone. The women I work with, they might say, I want more romance for my partner. Great. Bring more romance to him. Be more romantic. Normalize that. Show him what it looks like. Create what you want. You want more romance? Set up romantic things. Let it still have worth and value. We don't just sit back passively wanting someone to do what we're not able to do. You know, we're all active participants in the quality of our relationship. Change it. So I think you're doing the best you can, but I want to hear more from your partner who cheated. Um, are they taking accountability have they apologized have they said what's what's required for them to be better have they talked about how they want to heal this have they talked about you know what they want to do to make you feel safer but i like that you're looking at the fact that you need to give more energy focus and attention on your relationship relationships should be the primary thing in our lives they should get all of our time energy and focused not our friends not our hobbies not our jobs relationships we are as healthy as the relationships we are part of they should be our center point so i'm proud of you I don't understand why he's saying he needs more compassion from you, but um, yeah, circle back, circle back and talk that out. But I like where I like where your thinking's at. I think that's going to be the most transformative thing for you because all these things that happen give us the possibility of learning more about ourselves. All right, so you got a question for us? strap in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Past episodes of the show over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, click on it. You can binge post, re-listen. Lots of good stuff because it's all about that uh, repetition, unlearning and relearning. So uh, step into that process. More to come. We'll be back. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, y'all. We are back and um, we're talking about infidelity and deciding whether or not a relationship where one partner has stepped outside of the commitment they made whether it's worth saving or not. And honestly, the things you have to think about, and one of the first things we talked about uh, was how this is managed as a couple matters. Even though you might've been injured or harmed or victimized by your partner, that doesn't give you permission to be abusive yourself. You never are given permission to be abusive yourself. And I'll say that's all my clients. I'm gonna expect both of you to, to do this work with me moving forward from a place of regulation, care, and um, respect. Uh, I'm sorry you were harmed and we will talk about that and we will hold your partner accountable, but you won't be acting out in violent or abusive ways as a result as though somehow that's made okay. And that's kind of the contract you have to make. And I know that's very hard when you've been harmed, but you still have an accountability to the other partner. They're human. No one is without, no one is without, um, everyone deserves that, right? No one is without that, you know, deserving of that. Um, And I know that that's a very difficult thing, but how we manage this matters. We don't want to cause more harm is really what I'm saying to self or other. But the most difficult thing you have to ask yourself first, though, is this level of trust. Was there trust ever there anyway? And if not, because this person was never worthy of trust, let's go. Time to get out. But if they are, then you stick around and you renew and you do the work. People will let us down. People will disappoint us. That's part of being in relationships with humans, it's really about how we manage those things that speak to the health of the relationship and whether or not it should be maintained and the individuals. But if you have a high conflict relationship and any disappointment or frustration is cranked up to a level 10, and at that level 10, you are both you know, verbally abusive and maybe physically, then this probably isn't something worth saving because it was never really healthy anyway. And this infidelity is just more of the same. And the work would be a lot. Now it's even a further wound is added to an already highly conflictual, dysregulated couple that's a lot of work that I don't think a lot of people are cut out for or willing to even do. Cause that's always the question, you know, as a therapist, is this person able and willing to do the work because the work isn't based on what I do. It's based on what they do. Therapy is often about mapping out. And in real time, we go through some of these developmental steps so they can occur. But, uh, but there's also about being sent off into the world to practice. The quality of your life is rooted in the quality of your practice. The quality of your relationship is rooted in the quality of your practice as well. Are you doing the work that, that is talked about, discussed, and practiced in therapy? You have to take it out and apply it. Um, that's how it goes with everything. Think about any kind of educational process. Uh, that, that's a really good metaphor. You go to cooking school, they're like, yeah, go home and practice. Uh, You go to an art class, go home and practice. (laughs) You go to a film school, go home and practice. You know what I mean? We have to internalize these skills and make them really known and accessible. Um, Okay, so that's the first thing you want to think about. What was this general level of trust? Then again, what was your time like together? Is the kind of relationship and the events and experiences you had, are those things you want more of and are they worth saving? And some people look back and they're like, nah, it really wasn't that great. Um, I think another really, really, really important one is centered around, do you have similar visions? Do you have similar politics? Do you have similar ethics and values? And was this infidelity seen as a violation of that? Because if a person's values and ethics allow for that infidelity, then expect more of it. And that goes back to where I said a lot of couples never talk about what does monogamy mean to them? What is their expectations in, in, in requesting that label? And what are they both willing to do? Um, monogamy is a commitment that I'm willing, if you're only going to be able to have sex with me as your partner, I'm have, I'm giving you my willingness to be sexual with you. And then what am I considering stepping outside of that? And how do we want to manage, um, injuries around that? What is our commitment? If one of us dishonors our monogamous contract, What will you promise to do? Tell me right away and and, and heal and do accountability. And I promise to be there to receive that. Like I want everyone to ask that. Let's imagine one of us violates this contract of monogamy. What can I expect of the person who's harmed? Just like what can I expect of the person who creates that harm? There's an accountability for both of you. Will you stay in this with me? Um, this is called informed consent. Just like when your doctor gives you a medication, he should tell you not just how it will help you, but also let you know how it will negatively impact you and what you can expect. Then you can make what we call an informed decision. But if you don't have all the information, you can't make an informed decision. And I want both partners to say, what will you do if you cheat and what will you do if I cheat on you? I want to understand how we want to manage that as a couple. We're not giving it permission to happen. I tell people wear a seatbelt and don't be on your phone when you're driving. That's not me giving them permission to drive recklessly, but I'm calling out what we need to be thoughtful of and to protect each other, to protect ourselves and to protect our other. So please, if nothing else from the show, go back to your partner and say we never talked about this concept of monogamy and what the expectations are, how we'll manage disappointments and letdowns within it, what we what we think you know is about staying in those lines and outside of those lines. Talk it out. You might realize you both have very different definitions. And up until this conversation, you both were understandably operating from your definition, and no one's definition is more legitimate or reasonable or healthier than the others. It's about two adults having a mutually beneficial discussion that might take many sessions to get to, and then you both agree to it. And then you talk about what you'll do if it gets violated. We will get into couples therapy. We will shut off whatever these, you know, we'll get into that stuff, but that's what I want everyone to really focus on. all right, when we come back, we're gonna keep talking about this and then we'll get to you know some of the specifics. But um, keep this conversation going. Talk to your friends about it because a lot of people just kind of put their head down, move forward on the relational escalator, go through these developmental things of like monogamy, living together, and they never really talk out the meanings and expectations behind these steps. And they'll we'll be doing some DMs. So if you've got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Stick around, more to come. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back, so uh, don't go anywhere. Oh, Rachel, we are back, and uh, tonight we're talking about infidelity and cheating and how to decide if you're going to stay or if you're going to go. We're talking about just how much general trust did you have with this person? How good was the relationship you had with this person? Is this relationship you want to go back to and repair? Yes, we're going to work on being better and improving it, but in general, baseline, is this worth saving? It's kind of like about sex. A lot of people, they don't want sex because sex isn't even worth wanting. Is this relationship worth saving? and you have to be able to look back to something and maybe you can and then it's reasonable to release it. But some people look back and they're like, there's a, lot to, there's a lot to want. I like the family we created, we have kids. I liked co-parenting with you and living together in the same home. I liked some of the things we did for hobbies or for holidays and maybe you say, that's meaningful and I'm gonna figure this out with you and we're both gonna look at our part in creating a system that led to this. Or maybe it wasn't systemic and the individual themselves has to say, listen, let me take accountability for how this came to be. Um, that's really where we need, you know, again, the person who was cheated on is looking to the person who did the cheating to really kind of decide where to go next based on how they show up. And if you're apologetic and take accountability, well then green light, let's do this. But if the person's defensive and doesn't do that, we're not doing so great. And it's very understandable. They might not feel safe really renewing and doing the work. Um, and this is also a way to, to manage difficulty as well. And we'll, we'll kind of figure that out. But, um, That's the question, like what was sex life? What was your social life like? What was it like to spend time together? Because those are the things that have to have enough meaning for you to be willing to hang in this um, and do the difficult work. Um, Has this occurred before? Is this just an ongoing pattern? You know, unfortunately the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. So if they've never done it before, you know, then I'm confident that maybe this was a one-off, but if this is something that's repeatedly happening, well then most likely we expect it to happen again. People do change. Once a cheater, not always a cheater. That doesn't apply to anything. Once a fill in the blank, it doesn't mean always a fill in the blank. People grow and change, but they have to be willing and interested. And that's the key word I want to keep using. The person who created the infidelity has to show accountability. Yes, I did that. This is why I did that. This is what I'm working on doing so that doesn't happen again. And then that person who cheated, hear this, has to move forward with more transparency. The way we start to rebuild trust is by letting our partner know where we're at, what we're thinking, and what we're feeling. And I don't mean that in a literal way, like, hey, here's my location, here's a picture of who I'm with. No, that's actually anxiety, and we're not doing that. I mean, you just stay close and connected. You build more intimacy. You bring them more into your life, emotionally, socially, and literally. This might be a wake-up call that y'all don't do anything together anymore. This might be a wake-up call that you aren't participating in each other's lives and you've distanced and drift, drifted. That's not maybe the cause, but that might be part of it or maybe that is the cause. And you might be both responsible for that. because I don't care about really, I don't really care about responsibility. I care about was this a healthy relationship that's worth saving? and are both parties willing to do the work to save it? I'm not pointing fingers. Uh, yes, there's a person who created this and who led this, and there's a person who might have been harmed by it. But those positions aren't as meaningful as, are you as a couple able to manage this? Here's what the work would look like to heal it. Are you both willing to do your part? And if so, let's go. That's what it's about. Because rebuilding trust can be very, very, very hard. And we're gonna come back and spend a little time talking about that. But remember, it all starts with the person who created this taking accountability and responsibility and apologizing. And if we don't have that, we can't even get the airplane off the ground. That's the starting point, because that's also going to be what motivates the person who was cheated on to be willing for them to show up and do their work. And there's work for both of you. And I know not everyone likes to hear that, but I'm going to expect you both to be kind. I'm going to expect you both to stay regulated. I'm going to expect neither one of you to attack the other in any capacity. And that's part of the commitment we make if the couple's going to work with me. And if they're going to act this out and punish each other, then they're not going to work with me. I won't be a part of that. That's what children do. We're not 15 anymore, we're adults. And I expect adult behavior, as hard as that is. We're gonna learn how to regulate, we're gonna learn how to build more intimacy, we're gonna learn how to treat each other better, we're gonna learn how to prioritize our relationship and protect it from other forces out in the world. Yeah, yep. we're gonna learn better communication, we're gonna improve our sex lives. That's all the beautiful things that can come out of this if a couple chooses to stay and do the work. That the work isn't simple and easy. And I can't just give you the three quick easy steps on a podcast, it doesn't work like that. Mental health means I wanna know people's trauma history. I wanna know people's attachment styles. I wanna understand what your relationship was like, what worked and what didn't work. You have to get into some real processing. And so yes, this is something that definitely requires a good couples or sex therapist. A hundred percent. It's very difficult for couples to manage this on their own because then they're being run by their mood. I'm angry. I'm going to act angry. And we need a guide when we're that dysregulated because this is a very distressing situation for a lot of people. I totally appreciate and validate that. So what's the work? Well, first off, we have to know that the affair is over. And we have to feel confident in that because we can't help heal this primary relationship if there's a problematic secondary or tertiary one that is keeping the injury alive. And so part of that accountability is the cheater saying, I've ended all those relationships, that those are no longer in existence. And side note, if you've been forming ongoing relationships with other people, you have they deserve a right to be told that that won't be happening anymore. You don't have a right to just ghost on them. Their feelings matter too. Those are human beings. I don't care what the partner who was cheated on says or not, you still reach back out to them and you say, listen, I need to let you know we will not be spending time together anymore. I've been cheating on my primary partner and I'm gonna be working on my relationship with them. We're not gonna have contact anymore. I'm not gonna contact you, please don't contact me. But I wanted to let you know out of respect, wishing you well, and then you do what you need to do, block them or whatever it is. But you have a responsibility to everyone you've brought into this. And then you have to go to your primary partner and say, I've closed all those windows, and I've closed all the doors, and it's just me and you, and let's work on this moving forward, if that's what you want. You might realize I'm not good at monogamy. Monogamy isn't my correct relational orientation. This wasn't the best way to go about bringing that forward, but I need to let my partner know that if we stay together, I want to do non-monogamy. That's acceptable and appropriate, but that has to be something that all parties ethnic uh, ethically agree on. It's called ethical non which means everyone's in agreement, everyone's aware, and we've talked about the expectations of that. That's kind of a different topic for a different night, but some people come to that realization. I'm bad at monogamy. Monogamy is not my true relational orientation, just like we have sexual orientations. I don't wanna continue to try to do it. It's not right for me or it's too hard for me, and I don't wanna harm people. And that's a beautiful, healthy, rational thing. Wish you had come to that decision prior to cheating, but here we are. All right, we're gonna come back and talk about some of the things you gotta to do to heal this, clean this up, fix it. Couples therapy is gonna be necessary though. This isn't really something couples can do on their own. So, and they'll be doing some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline Line G page. Listening to Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey we will be right back. All right, y'all, we are back and uh, we're just finishing up our discussion about infidelity. This is something that definitely requires uh, professional engagement most of the time. But uh, we're just doing a little bit of a rundown as to what that would look like if a couple on their own wants to work on this. So the first thing is you have to make sure that you're both willing to stay regulated and caring throughout this. You have to make sure that this is something you both want and have committed to. You wanna make sure that the person has severed and ended their other relationships and has let those people know that out of respect and care that that is in fact what's happened. And then we start from the door. How did we get here? Tell me about your relationship. What is it like is it worth wanting to have is it worth wanting to keep is it worth trying to worth respecting sometimes like i said sex isn't happening because it's not worth wanting or desiring and sometimes the relationship well you might say i harmed it because it wasn't worth keeping taking care of and we both have to do our part to make this worth something and both parties have to talk about that we have to say what do we feel comfortable going back to because at some point the work is After we've processed and we feel safe and interested in renewing this, the work is how do we start going back to our form of care, love, and connection? What are some of the activities we do feel open to doing in terms of intimacy? Because we don't want to keep drifting. We want to try to come back together. So we have to start prioritizing our time together. We have to start going back to our routine. And again, I'm, I'm saying this in a very rushed way. This isn't something I would throw out there in the first you know, five or six sessions by any means. But after we've gotten over the shock and people have really taken the time to heal that, which means not slamming each other, attacking each other, we do that healing work by sitting with the pain and the sadness. Don't be angry, be sad. Yes, anger is a secondary emotion mostly, but I want you first to just start with the sadness and the devastation that this is what's going on, if that's true for you. And then looking at the anger, like, where's that anger coming from? Is that reasonable? Sometimes it very much is. Other times it isn't because you realize I was a part of creating this. That's in the work that'll come up in the couples therapy. We have to look at the, the level of, you know, relationship to self and sex that's in there. You know, sometimes that's part of a driving force, but the main most reasonable question is how did this come to be? Why did this happen? What do we both maybe do to create a relationship that wasn't meaningful for either of us or at least for that one partner? So maybe it's on the person that cheated to just say, you know, this is what I was doing or wasn't doing. But at some point, even the person cheated on has to look at what do I need to do more of or what do I need to do less of as well? Like there's something transformative for everyone, but we wanna definitely reconnect and decide that we're doing this. We wanna definitely close all the windows and doors that have led to this person being with others we want to start rebuilding trust by being transparent about what we're looking for and who we are and really participating more in each other's lives at some point we want to go back to our routine of care and affection and easing back towards the way we were or creating a new vision who do we now want to work on being as a couple and maybe we move into a completely different relational style with different expectations but i'm looking at both people's needs everyone's needs matter. No one's needs matter more than the other person's. And I want to keep reminding everyone that it's really easy for us to create this. You're in the doghouse, so your feelings don't matter, and I can be abusive. We don't want to get into that trap. That doesn't heal us or move us forward. And that's what a lot of people's inclinations are naturally towards. But the person who did the harm has to be part of creating you know, something that makes that person wanna stay and do the work. How are you showing up? Are you showing up, like I said, with accountability and care? That's gonna be a motivating or demotivating force. But those are the main pieces. Um, You know, we're moving back towards more honesty. We're moving back towards being more of an open book about who we are and what we're doing in the world. We definitely have to focus more on accountability. Are we following through on what we say we're gonna do? Or are we repeatedly creating a lot more injuries of mistrust that's never gonna let this person heal? Because unfortunately, we do need a break away from feeling let down, and you're gonna to have to really focus on being consistent and reliable for a length of time. Um, are we sticking with our standards? You know, And then finally, are we working on our alliance building? Are we actively showing up as being on the same side? Those are the qualities that we start looking for and working on, getting back to that deep friendship, which is one of the more important parts of a healthy, long-term, sustainable relationship. Um, that's why you need couples therapy for this. There's a lot of different aspects and elements, and sometimes individual work. But it really comes down to that fork in the road, is this something I'm gonna renew, or is this something I'm gonna release? And then we improve our relationship based on it, more cherishing, less trashing, more gratefulness, less resentfulness, Um, and just, again, mutual trust, mutual respect, mutual protection, mutual nurturance, because a lot of times we haven't been prioritizing that or the relationship or the partner, and that's what allowed us to maybe be willing, you know? So we step back into that. It's difficult work. It's important work. It's meaningful work. And I think people that stick around and do it, um, really gain a lot and grow and learn so i advocate for that but we need a professional's help a lot of times for that it's very hard um, that's why i keep talking about making sure we take our responsibilities seriously when we're someone's primary partner you know you will impact the quality of their life and their mental health take that seriously but we have to keep you know create the kind of relationship where we feel like our partners meaningful and and has worth to us um, that kind of falls on both sides so We'll talk more about it. I want to definitely do a show again on toxic monogamy. I think I did that like a year or two ago, and I think that's an important one. Um, all right, coming up next, DMs. Got a DM for us? Drop in the DMs on our LoveLine energy page. Questions, topics, things you want us to hit, maybe things to circle back to. Love to hear from you. You know, I want to make sure that you're getting your needs met, and as you're helping someone else, you're helping yourself. You know what I mean? Uh, always anonymous always confidential that's the dms on our loveline ig page and past episodes of the show are always over at wearechannelq.com. scroll down look for loveline and click on it you can binge post relisten and share lots more to come don't go anywhere you're listening to loveline with dr chris on channel q and odyssey we'll be right back
0: selling a little or a lot
1: You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp and refreshing taste. Or if you overcame, Tourist, tour. you deserve this ice-cold reward. Modelo, the mark of the fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, illinois All, oh, Rachel, right, y'all. We're back and now it's time to slide into those DMs.
0: Sliding into the DMs.
1: This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, what is demisexuality? having a hard time understanding what it is. I met this woman who said that's how she identifies. Tried looking it up, but the only things I can find basically says she needs to know someone before hooking up. So basically at this point in time, in a really beautiful way, we have different labels to help understand all the different ways that people move through the world in terms of sexuality, gender, relational structures, um some people over identify with certain things sometimes they are just co-created sometimes they're born out of a trauma and where someone currently is at so for instance someone might at times with some people be able to uh have sexuality right off the bat but then with other partners they need to take more time to get to know them and build something non-sexual before sexuality feels comfortable for them in theory demisexuality is the idea that someone needs to build time safety Investment and intimacy with someone on non sexual levels before their sexuality comes online and kicks in. Uh, these, are, these are loose metaphors, these are loose frameworks. Don't overly, you know, take them, don't take them literally, but you can take them a little seriously, but they can ebb and flow and change. We can develop out of them, we can develop into them, they could be based on the specific person or events that just happened, so hold it loosely. But all that's to say is this person saying, I'd rather get to know you first before we jump into any sexuality. It's no deeper than that, it's not an obstacle, but that's how a lot of people are and that again that can ebb and flow if you show up consistently reliably and build a lot of trust and safety well then this person might feel safer or more interested in sex sooner than later don't make it that deep and there's always more qualities to it we're all more than just this one thing there's other factors and elements that are required in driving it um, but this helps people have language to explain themselves. It helps normalize. It helps people make them you know helps people feel as though there's nothing wrong with them. they can build community. But we want to hold them lightly. Um, because again, sometimes it's relationally created, sometimes it's contextually created. sometimes it's a result of a trauma and healing and different relationships, different people, different events. We will grow, as I said, out of it, deeper into it changes. I have that in my own life. There's times where I'm more sexual, less sexual. There's times where I'm more open to sex from the door. There's other times where it, it's more of a delayed response. That's life. We will all have sprinkle sprinkled elements of this. I say that about all mental health. We are all narcissists. It's how narcissistic are you? We're all borderline. How borderline are you? We're all on that scale of depressive and anxiety induced and obsessive. It's just some people have more um, more of it more often to a more chronic level and require more care. And some of us just have little sprinkles of it at times. And that's part of this as well. You know, No one meets the full criteria of whatever normal even is. Who's this normal person that we're all trying to become? So don't be thrown off by that. Uh, Thank that person for caring enough about you to disclose on a deeper level who they are and uh, enjoy getting to know them but your your needs matter too we don't ever have to center the other person if you're someone who likes sex right away it's okay for you to say we might not be compatible because i'm someone who likes to enter with sexual intimacy and i like to get some i like to get someone to, i like to get to know someone sexually first you're allowed to advocate for that you're not pushing on their boundaries you're just defining yourself as well and no one's needs and no one's feelings are more valid or more legitimate than anyone else's. Just like someone who might want monogamy, someone else is allowed to say, I don't do monogamy, so to be with me means I'm not comfortable doing that. And if they say, but I'm only comfortable doing that, then you two are aren't compatible. <laughs> you know, just because we wanna be with someone doesn't mean we can. Just because we wanna be with someone doesn't mean we are compatible enough to pull off a long-term relationship or a monogamous relationship. So this person's saying, sex won't happen for a while until I feel safe, and you get to decide if that works for you. Uh, for someone like me, it only works for so long because sex is an important level of of compatibility to be explored. And I want to know that sooner and later, sooner than later before I make an investment. And I like people that are very sexually comfortable, sexually accessible, sexually confident, sexually creative. And I want to know that before I put a lot of investment socially, emotionally, and psychologically. So for me, that doesn't tend to work because I don't want to attach on those levels and then, and then find out later we're not sexually compatible and then I have to exit or do that difficult work that I don't want to do again. So you have a right to say that. Unfortunately, that doesn't work for me. I want to know that that's, you know, that that's available. So you get to decide what you do with that. Questions come from the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Questions, topics, things you want us to hit, circle back to. Um, past episodes are always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline and click on it. Binge, post. Relisten listen because we got to do that training, got to practice, right? The quality of our lives and the quality of our mental health is tied to the uh, quality of our practice. But, you know, we'll be back tomorrow, so join us then. Be kind to yourselves. Be kind to those around you. Drop the bar. We're doing 70% so we don't burn out, you know? All right, y'all. Thanks for hanging out. Be kind with yourselves, others as well. Enjoy the rest of your night.
2: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news,